Around Comics, Episode 28. From Chicago, this is Around Comics, a weekly roundtable discussing topics in and around the world of comics. I'm your host, Christopher Neesman, and I am joined, as always, by my partner in crime and the producer of the show, Brian Salazar. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> and our next panelist is, uh, it's been agreed upon that he is the most popular panelist of young men, 18 to 34. He nice. is Tom Caters. My, my contract got extended another week, but... <laughs> If Sal ever asks you for a punchy line, don't waste it on him because he won't use it. <laughs> and our guest this week is the writer of Werewolves Call of the Wild. He is Michael Laveri. How you doing, guys? Great, Mike. Thank you uh, for being on the show. Welcome, and welcome. Welcome to Around Comics. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. It's great to have you here. Um, this episode of Around Comics is sponsored by Geek Armor. Uh, Mr. Sal, can you tell the fine people out there about Geek Armor for us? I certainly can. GeekArmor.com sells t-shirts with the geek in mind, featuring a great selection of comic book t-shirts as well as video games, sci-fi, TV, and movie shirts. You are sure to find something you like. Check out their latest original design, a red shirt with a phaser hole on the front that reads, I went on an away mission <laughs> and all I got was this lousy t-shirt. And now the good folks at Geek Armor are offering a 10% discount to all Around Comics listeners. Just use the coupon code around comics all one word when placing your order and receive an additional 10% off geekarmor.com check them out today yes they have a flash t-shirt i was thinking about getting i, I actually i got my uh, my girlfriend uh, t-shirt her birthday was yesterday and i got her a shirt that says boys are smelly and she loved it so happy how, birthday happy how, birthday baby happy birthday marta the odor <laughs> is horrible <laughs> And if anyone doesn't know, Marta is our bumper girl. Marta does all; she writes all of our bumpers mm-hmm. and does records them herself. And and uh, well, and she has some even more <laughs> offensive bumpers that she's been writing. So look forward to those. Fantastic! Uh, I would like to remind Go everyone that uh, Around Comics <laughs> is recorded every Friday from seven to nine at Dark Tower Comics and Collectibles, located at forty-eight thirty-five Northwestern Avenue in Chicago. If you're in the area, please drop by and say hi. We'd love to meet you. Uh, you can also get 20% off just by mentioning Around Comics during our show recordings. Wow! <laughs> um, last uh, last announcement here, but certainly not least, if you enjoy Around Comics and you download through iTunes like we know the majority of you out there do, please drop by the iTunes Music Store and write us a review. just takes a couple minutes, but it means more than we can say. All right, that's our announcements. Mike, how you doing? Very well. Yeah, the the long trek up from Central Illinois today. Oh yeah, straight through the cornfields on into the city. Yeah, you got it. It's it's all Spooky. flat and, and then and then buildings. <laughs> so uh, we we did have uh, a signing, which is actually ongoing. Anybody that's in the store right now, come on up to Mike and have him sign a sign a copy of Werewolves Call of the Wild. And uh, how's the book going? First of all, doing pretty good so far. We've had a, a good demand to start with. Most of it went through the pre-orders, and from there, we're just working on building the audience and uh, continuing on through there. Now, uh, Call of the Wild is published by Moonstone. Correct. Correct. And it has been available for how long? 
Issue number one came out at the end of April. Mm-hmm. Issue number two should be available within the next two weeks, I would say. Yeah, you said you actually uh, were, oh, were going to swing by the uh, your distributor, and you said that uh, that they may have had issue two there, but we just missed it by a couple days. Yeah, exactly. I was hoping uh, it's at the printer, <laughs> but not fast enough, unfortunately. So, uh, can you uh, let our listeners know uh, what Werewolf Call of the Wild is about? It's 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 a it's a really fun book, but I want to hear it from you. What uh, what it's about? Is it uh, about is it about vampires? <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, in simplest terms, it's uh, a crime murder mystery that just happens to include werewolves. Basically, you have a uh, in the beginning, it opens with a, a murder, and the couple who's murdered, they're the, the guy's brother comes looking for him, and he starts to find out there's a lot more going on in this town than he first thought. And of course, you know I don't want to spoil anything yet, but there's there's werewolves uh, around, and he's got to figure out what exactly happened, why his brother was murdered, where he's at, that sort of thing. Why no. werewolves? Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's too many zombies out there. Uh, no, <laughs> zombies call of the wild just didn't have the same the ring. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Seriously though, I've I've liked werewolves for a long time. I've always dug werewolves, and I write a lot of uh, horror prose, and never really found anything I wanted to tell in that format that I thought would be any different or unique. And when I got this idea, I rolled with it and uh, pitched it to Moonstone, and here we are. Well, it, I mean the. The comic is, while it does fall maybe into the horror genre, it obviously has a werewolf. But you know, it's it's more of a, a crime PI story. It's it, it's more of a, if not a murder mystery, but it, it's definitely got a great mystery feel to it. Exactly. I think that's what I I was hoping would set it apart from most of the other werewolf tales that are out there. Um, and also, I, I think that was one of the reasons Moonstone liked it. Their publisher Joe Gentile uh, is a big fan of like hard-boiled crime, suspense. And they have several titles in that genre, and it just kind of fit right into their line. You could almost take the, well, not almost, you could take the werewolf aspect of the story out, the first issue anyway, and the story would still work. It's, right. It's just Call it, of the Wild. It just be Call of the Wild. <laughs> no but, you know, the, the story of the brother coming to find, you know, his brother and, and, and fiance, right? Or right. Was the, uh, yeah, the, it's the, the brother's fiance. And, you know, it's basically murder mystery you could take the werewolf out of it and it's still a good story which right. was what i was impressed with right uh now you mentioned that you that you have done some prose uh mm-hmm. previous to this did you really get your start in in novels you know short stories before you you made this jump into comics yes uh i've been working in the horror small press for uh, approximately seven years um got a couple dozen short story credits a couple novellas and uh, one novel, Deadliest of the Species, was published in 2001, uh, and I got a Bram Stoker Award for that for first novel. Congratulations! Thank you. Thank you. Uh, um, all werewolves? No, no werewolves in no. any of that. No. <laughs> okay. What's your so, out of curiosity? What sort of werewolf-like movies and stuff would you say are the best? Just because you seem to enjoy werewolves. That just popped um, in my head. Sorry if I stepped all over you, Chris. <laughs> I, I, you never step on yeah, me, Tom. Yeah. Uh, my favorite, I'd have to say, was uh, Silver Bullet. I, okay. I always All enjoyed right. that one. With um, who was the uh, the uncle? Uh, Gary Busey. Gary Busey. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah great. Yeah, sure. Yeah, nice. Was that just I, I was glad. totally just shocked when I was a kid. I think I was like ten years old, and the old UHF station at like two in the afternoon for some ungodly reason played The Howling, and that that movie is probably why I don't like horror movies to this day. I, it's like slasher movies. 
can't do it, and it's because of the howling. So, you're such so a it gentle took a soul. lot for me to get you on the show because I hate werewolves. So, do you hate them or do you fear them, Chris? I fear them. Yeah, yeah I, I cry like a little baby. Well, when you have one at the end of the howling turns into a poodle, I mean, I think that kind of kills the werewolf thing too. Yeah, but for a ten-year-old, not. Well, good. yeah. There was a. I, I remember very distinctly there's a show I think on Fox when I was a kid and I saw one episode of it or it might have been like a movie and it scared me so horribly bad it had werewolves in it it, it, it was, was like, like one seven. of the first Fox shows what is with shows? you ladies yeah. I afraid of movies no. and werewolves you should see this TV shows I'm sure it's on YouTube somewhere it <laughs> believe me there's not a movie out there you know well, there's kids in this course, so it scared the <laughs> S out of me because I could not sleep the rest of the night. It scared me so bad that now I still consider werewolves like the most frightening of all the different sure. sort of horror type things. I, like. I have a friend. I, I grew up loving horror comics and movies and anything to do with horror and stuff. And a friend of mine, good friend of mine, uh, is also same thing. We both really enjoyed horror, and he was. He's always been like the champion for werewolves because, you know, when, whenever it was like a he werewolf. You might have a challenge. Yeah. He just always felt that werewolves got the short end of the stick whenever it came to horror movies. It was like, you know, whatever I'll uh, buy that. a werewolf, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, came up against a vampire, it was always a werewolf. You know, the, the vampire always kicked his ass. Or, you know, it, well, vampires it, were always smarter. And, and most. Yeah. Well, yeah, I suppose. It, but. He just he always took up the you know and it's still to this day a touchy subject with him. <laughs> like, you know, he'll still get in like heated arguments about you know werewolves and 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 how they're underused and underappreciated. So it's is, it's is there something funny. specifically about sort of the nature of werewolves that you find interesting, or is it just one of those things where it's like you just have always liked werewolves? Yeah, I, I've, one I've just always liked them. Uh, it's kind of both. I mean, the other side of it is I like the whole duality of nature kind of thing you got a almost a jekyll and hyde thing with the the guy's animal side and his human side and the main character in this one actually if i have an opportunity to explore this as the series rolls on if we keep going um he's one who actually tries to keep his other self you know very much under control to struggle for him but i mean really i, I just enjoy watching werewolves i mean the whole wolf out <laughs> thing and tearing ass around i mean i, I just love that stuff uh, and, I, and I've got to agree with your your buddy there, Brian. That they're they're just underutilized. I mean, American Werewolf in London was great. I yeah. mean, I enjoyed that. Yeah. But in Par- with Paris, oh, I really think they dropped the ball. Yeah. The, the CGI wolves. I'm uh, even trying to just remember, you know, really quality. I mean, obviously the, well, the original. Well, I'm trying to, you know, and I mean, the, but there were. I mean, compared to other monsters. Teen Wolf, so Teen Wolf, Wolf, Teen yeah. Wolf, yeah. Well, that was, you know, um, but there just haven't been basketball. that many. No. I, th- good I think Jeff Loeb like worked on the screenplay for that. Uh, Teen Wolf? T- yeah, I think he did. Oh my goodness! Wow. I have to check that. So the fact checking department will, will <laughs> the monkeys. Will go, yeah. Um, well, Mike, you, do you have plans to go back to prose? Are you writing prose now? Uh, do you want to stay on comics? Do you see yourself as as just a writer that is going to work on a little bit of everything? Whatever paycheck's clear, man. Nah. <laughs> so, you, so you're a whore. Yeah, exactly. Hey, a whore, whore. A whore, whore, trademark. That's right. Trademark that. He, he's a writer. They're all whores. They just, only some of them admit it. <laughs> and we're our own pimps. <laughs> well, you know, you, you, you've worked in, in horror fiction for, for um, short stories and novels right. and, and now comic book. Um do you have a fear of being pigeonholed into the horror genre, or is that a genre that you want to, you know, just actively be associated with? I think it just happens to be 
that's what I read the most now, and that's what I tend to focus on. Um, when I first started out, and this would have been actually in the early 90s before I got lost in retail management for a couple of years, I was actually reading a lot of uh, science fiction and fantasy, and uh, it would have been towards the end of my high school days. And it, and it was just all starting to sound the same and, and the same books. And I started reading like Barker and King, and that really drew me over to horror. And when I started to write, you know, I, I try to do like the cyberpunk thing, but I just wasn't any good at it. And uh, <laughs> not many I, people were. Yeah. <laughs> and, and once I uh, once I got out of retail and went back to school, I wrote a horror story, and it just clicked. And from there, I just kept on rolling. Well, you know, on the on the cyberpunk thing, that that takes a lot of research and a lot of knowledge of what's right. going on. And you and you you know a lot about IT, which mm-hmm. you know we may talk about later. But on the horror side, you know, if when I can only imagine that as an author, if you're writing about vampires or werewolves or zombies, that there's such a culture of people that are incredibly obsessed, especially with, with the vampire people, and I'm sure with, with werewolf fans. How much did you research or just have to know before you started writing this? Because you can't jump into to writing a genre like that without having the wrath of a lot of people that say, oh, you got this all wrong. Well, so far I've been lucky. I haven't had any of that. Um, I've I've no heard a lot fans. of it. That's right. <laughs> uh, we were talking about zombies earlier, for example, and before we started the show, and uh, you know, so many people are picking apart what zombies should be or shouldn't be instead of just enjoying the story. Um, if I actually sit down and tell somebody what the rules are, so to speak, of my werewolves, there's probably gonna be a lot of people like, "Well, what do you mean that silver bullets don't have to be what has kills them?" And it's like, well, who cares? I mean, to me. That's it. Interview over. We're done. No, <laughs> well, that's, I was going to actually ask you about that as far as the sort of the, the metaphysics of your world that you've created and, and that your book is in. Um, what, is, what is the sort of the, the, the rules of being a werewolf in Call of the Wild? Well, what I did, I, I took it as more of a realistic, for lack of a better word. I mean, obviously they're fantasy beasts, but uh, I figured... Okay, what if these things really existed? How would they really be? And I figured, all right, maybe the the silver bullets, that's just part of the myth. So they can be killed by bullets. Um, The full moon thing, you know, I I threw that out. That doesn't need to be part of it. Uh, And it's really genetic. I mean, Cole calls his mother towards the end, and really you have what what we have is a family of werewolves. And um, later on you'll, you'll find out there's another... Wouldn't There's, that be you know, a couple pack. brothers? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> nice one. Good one. Um, let's talk about the art a little bit. Uh, Joe Buco, who unfortunately couldn't make it today, but um, he's slaving away on where, issue three, I think. Right? Is, is right. that what he got him? Got him chained up. Chained um, to the desk. Where'd you find him? How'd you guys collaborate? Where'd, How'd you, you find? Him? <laughs> where'd you dig this guy? Out? Where'd you, go? Oh, where'd you up find this rock? Guy? And, and there he was. No, <laughs> he was doing colors for Moonstone, and uh, I. Moonstone said, hey, look, we can really use your help. Try to find yourself an artist. And after a while, uh, Joe Gentile at Moonstone said, hey, we've got this guy that was doing colors on the Phantom. And that was Joe Buco. And he put us together, and we started talking back and forth, and it just clicked. Uh, He's been really great to work with. And right from his initial sketches, I mean, he had the characters nailed as far as I was concerned. So, Well, I love the cover that he did for the first one here. It's... um 
just the the color combination and and the you know the character at the bottom that's more of an uh, a negative on on the the wolf in the background is just it it reminds me of something I can't think of what off the top of my head but um, it's just a very striking cover and the art inside I, I haven't had a chance to go th- completely over it but I, I like it it's uh, it, it does have a great um, feel to it it's ha- it very it fits the story yeah it, it's and and I think that you know was that kind of a, a walkout moment or it, whenever you saw this guy it's like yeah this is this is the feel that I need for this book because once again it's not a straight out horror book it's it's really it's uh, t- it's more of a southwestern you know ranger yeah. mystery you know well, so unless so you're it, looking for, to buy a horror book then it is well, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> then it's absolutely everything you want everything you want it's to horrible be. i mean it's horrific <laughs> no it's horrible um if you were to break out of of the horror genre, are there other genres that you would like to write for? You know, do superheroes appeal to you? Um, you know, westerns, you know, war, whatever. Uh, or do you see yourself as grounded in this? The, the next thing I'm actually pitching, uh, I'm working with a, an artist we're just getting started, uh, is going to be set in the Vietnam War. It's still going to have a metaphysical aspect to it. It's going to have their like a crisis of faith between a couple characters. But it's it's essentially going to be a war story. Um, I I wouldn't mind dabbling in science fiction. I don't think there's a whole lot of really good sci-fi books out there as far as when you're talking like the far future stuff, uh, you know, ba- space battles, the whole thing, aliens. I mean, when I grew up, one of my favorite comics was Alien Legion. Oh, I and love that book. I'd love to have Jugger something like Grimrod that. Jugger Grimrod is yeah. still one of the greatest comic book names ever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I just ate that book up, and I'd love to have something like that come out again or work on something like that. Um, if the opportunity came for superheroes, though, yeah, I'd definitely jump on it. Um, I, I'm, I wasn't always a big reader of a lot of the superhero titles, but you know, obviously I'm aware of the characters. I mean, you pretty much have to be in, in comics, and... Um, yeah, Werewolf I mean, Spider-Man. Yeah, why not? <laughs> I, think that, I think that was done in like 86. or That's a what if. <laughs> well, there's zombie Spider-Man. Oh, wait, they did that earlier. <laughs> Marvel, uh, something called Marvel's, uh, Marvel Werewolves. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I tell you what, the way the way that they keep, you know, churning over it, these these different uh, horror genres, it wouldn't surprise me. You know, it's, it was vampires for a long time. Yep. And now, I mean, we are... What do you think about just the flood of zombie books out there? And some of them, honestly, are very good, and some of them aren't. But Well, it all comes in cycles. I mean, you see, whether you're talking Hollywood or comics or prose or whatever, somebody will have a success with something, and everybody else will jump on the bandwagon. Um, even like simple things like slasher books and horror books... The, there was a glut in the 90s. I mean, there were writers who were getting $25,000 advances to write a horror novel. And these days, for most of us, you're lucky if you land, you know, a couple thousand dollars. You were born 15 years too late. Exactly, exactly. My career started 10 years too late. I mean, it was just unbelievable. But then they, they killed the market, literally. I mean, they just there was just a ton of just garbage out there, and people lost interest and moved on. And I think think that's kind of what happens at the end of all these cycles is you get this glut and someone's like oh great here comes another zombie novel here comes another vampire novel and it, it just collapses uh, you, uh, I'm sorry ahead. I was going to say that I was sort of thinking about that in general I mean just horror books in general there, we've seen quite a 
uh, you know, revolution of, of a lot of horror books coming out of late. Did, was that a fear of yours at all before you know bringing this out that you, that you were sort of going up against one so many horror books that are out there and you know what point of that cycle are we at? Are we on the downward swing or you know are we in the middle of it? Well, I think we're seeing horror in general is still taking off. Um, IDW obviously is probably the strongest, I would say, in that regard as, as far as putting out regular horror titles. Um, Boom has picked up a couple. They've got like the Cthulhu book and so forth. Um, I hope it doesn't implode on itself. I mean, I'll, Moonstone has been doing horror for years, and I don't know that they have any plans to quit anytime soon. Uh, but I'll I'll ride that wave as long as it's going. That's for sure. Well, it's it would be it's a good thing for comics to have genres like. Right. <clears throat> I mean, there's lots of horror books, but there aren't too many horror books by any stretch of the imagination. Right. You know, you look at the shelves. There aren't. I would never say there are too many horror. There might be well, getting to be too many zombie books. And percentage wise, I think, I think to whatever. some degree, whether it's you know novels or movies, I mean, horror's you know almost like an evergreen uh, genre where it's it. In some form, it's going to continue, and it may not, you know, it may see peaks and, and valleys, but to some degree, horror is always going to be around. It's just a matter of, of how much and, and what the quality of it is going to be. I, yeah, I mean, I think there's also a wide variety of horror or books that can be tagged horror. I mean, you can have just about anything with a horror element. I mean, here, like I said, I've got a crime story with a horror element. There's, You could have a science fiction piece with a definite horror element. Um... Comedy, you could have, you know. Sure, yeah. Teen, Teen Wolf. Teen Wolf. <laughs> <laughs> well, what um, out of the horror genre that's out there? What books do you like that that are that are on the comic shelves right now? I read a lot of the Vertigo stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been picking up some of the Boom stuff. I'm looking forward to Revere when it hits. Uh, I mean, that you could uh, another example. You can take that as alternate history because you've got Paul Revere in it. But now you've got Werewolf. Not from Alias. We got a thumbs up from the crowd. Yeah, from, from Bernie. Bernie, from knows Bernie. Hi, Bernie. Okay. <laughs> you got the name right this week, Chris. Benji. Benji. <laughs> Thank Barry. you, Steve. Hey, Ryan. Well, that's, <laughs> you know, and that's sort of one of the interesting things about I, you know, comics is that I think more so than in, in other mediums, you find that sort of cross-breeding of genres. You know, You don't see that so much in movies because they're too afraid you know right. you stick with one specific genre if you're going to make right. a horror movie you're going to you're going to make a horror movie um yeah, and in novels to the you know same degree publishers are, are right. you know, more afraid to, to take chances that but in comics you see a lot more sort of cross-pollination with, right you know different genres and, and people experimenting especially with well, independent comics well, and i think now and, and we've talked about this on the show before there's probably never been a better time in comics for people to try out ideas. There are so many either smaller publishers, you know, like Moonstone, where you can, you know, you don't have to, as a creator, go into debt. You don't have to sell off the family farm to try a book out. You know, but there's also with, you know, the the direct-to-print, what's the Comic Express, where you can, you know, write, draw, and and publish a book. And that is, on, on a good side, you get so many different creators that you never would have ever seen before that are able to try a book out but on the other side there's so much that it's really hard to find stuff that that is that is really good so and there's a good book like you know call of the wild that i think uh, we talked with mark about it uh here before before the signing that our shop didn't carry it 
but that's because it was really lost in previews that right. there's only so many that that comic shop owners can can bring in. I think one of the big differences uh, coming from the right the pro side again is a comic shop most times is not organized by genres. Um, it's all it's by on the shelves or by publisher. Whereas you go into a bookstore, you've got you know you got your mystery section, you got your romance section, you got your fiction section. Some places still have a horror section, uh, and then of course there's your fantasy section. I mean it's all divided, and the fans of those books go right to that section. Whereas here, uh, you know anybody walking down to W can find my book. So if the if the cover catches their eye, maybe they take a look at it, maybe they pick it up. But it's got to be available, and that kind of works w, out. That means it's all the way at the end all of the wall. The so it's the, it should have been A werewolves called <laughs> yeah, Double yeah. A. Triple A werewolves. It'll, it'll be down by Wolverine. I go, hey, look, they've got Check claws too. This huh? guy's got, look at his big sideburns. <laughs> so um, issue one is out now. Uh-huh. Issue two will be available probably next week. Um, right. How can people order your book? If they can order it uh, from previews through the comic shop or just go directly to moonstonebooks.com mm-hmm. and they'll be happy to fill the order there too. Now, this is a, a three issue mini series. Correct. So, uh, issue three, any ideas on when it's going to be available? It's due in August. Okay. Uh, the artist is working on the art right now. Mm-hmm. If it's in in time, we'll be seeing it by the end of August. Okay. All right. Cool. Hello, I'm Kim Gillen, writer of Phonogram and, well, just Phonogram. You're listening to Around Comics. Well, Mike, one of the reasons that we're really interested to have you on the panel today is that we are pretty fascinated with the process of starting a book. And, you know, this is your first comic book, so I really want to to get into, first of all, why you decided to go into the, the comic industry whenever you were writing novels, and what the process was to pitch it, to, to get it to a company, and get it, you know, off press and into comic shops. Well, I'll try to keep it short here for you. Um, <laughs> the short version. Yeah. The, I, I've read comics pretty much uh, for as long as I can remember. I, I was a little kid. I've always been a comic fan and a reader. Um, I, I did a few, you know, half-assed pitches, uh, mostly just a simple type it up, drop an envelope, submit it, you know, years ago. And that never really went anywhere, and I just concentrated on the pros. Um the opening scene in this book had actually been in my head for about a year and I was actually thinking uh, maybe screenplay something like that and I switched comic shops and the publisher of Moonstone happens to run four stores in the south south suburbs of Chicago and I found out the guy behind the counter was the publisher <laughs> so I, I pitched him. I said, hey, look, I, I've got this idea for a, a story. Um, I'm a, I've got a Bram Stoker Award, so I don't want just you to feel like I'm just some <laughs> schmuck trying to throw something at you here. I mean, I, I feel like I know what I'm doing. He says, all right, well, send me something. So the next time I was in the shop, about two weeks later, uh, I handed him the scripts for the first three issues. What does the Bram Stoker Award look like? Uh, it is a... <laughs> 
It ain't a werewolf. Just it, drop it, it on the counter. <laughs> you mentioned that, and I just wondered. It's a giant paperweight. Uh, <laughs> it's it's a basically a little castle with things crawling on it. It's uh, that's that's an actually, such a great answer. I mean, that's a, yeah. but that's a pretty prestigious horror writer's yeah, right. award. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a, yeah, that's Tom a, poke fun no, again. Was, no, I was that's just wondering what it looked like. I mean, I that's curious. a big deal in the in the yeah. horror. Gee, what your Emmy look like? He gets he gets a lot of tail because of the Bram Stoker. I'm just curious. <laughs> Please continue. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Edit it up. <laughs> so anyway, the, the <laughs> I I turned it into Joe and uh he contacted me the next day, which surprised me and said, You know what, this is really great. And from there we got into the editorial process. Um that probably lasted about I'd say three months all told. Uh at the, we didn't have an artist attached, so he wanted the script to be a little tighter i mean i had it as full script as it was but he said throw in as much detail as you can because you don't know what you're going to get so i did that uh, moonstone also publishes 26 page books so i kind of had to pad some things out and then we both uh, worked to rearrange a few scenes uh to follow along on the breaks better and, and for what he would want to see on the shelves and after that, it was uh, on to finding the artist, and from there, I mean, I pretty much just got to sit around and wait for a while until uh, Joe got the art turned in. Wow. Um, it's usually there, usually a lot of a lot of folks will have almost a completed book, you know, story, art, everything, right. and then take it to to present it to whatever publisher. So right, um, that's that's nice that you didn't have to do that. The the struggle for me was because I'm new to comics was finding an artist. Um, you know, I went to Wizard World last year, talked to a bunch of guys. Most of them were busy. Uh, Joe had contacted a few writers, but the, the budget was a little bit beyond what he could afford. And we finally landed, worked with Joe Buco to get rolling. So, so what, when you go in looking for an artist, did your perception of what you went in looking for different from how you ended up looking? Like, Did you have criteria that you started with that you realized immediately where it was almost not going to be the right way to look for it? Not Did really. I mean, the it's hard to just email somebody out of the blue and say, hey, will you draw my book? So that, that's why I went yeah. around talking to guys. Um, with Buko, I went onto his website and browsed through his portfolio, and he had a piece on there that was a crime piece from an yeah. anthology. And I thought, you know what, that style... And it just struck you right, right when you saw that, it? That style would really work for what, it, what we've got here. So... Okay. We started talking after that. Because I'd be the type of person that I'd, I'd take forever to shop for stuff. I would <laughs> for shop for, for I'd look at like two different... When I go shopping for artists, I'd just be like, oh. <laughs> so it's kind of cool to hear that you saw something and immediately were like, yeah, that's exactly like what you're looking for. Yeah. yeah. Now, uh, your transition over from writing prose to comics, was that a difficult transition for you? Did you go... No. I mean, what what did you what steps did you take as far as trying to figure out okay, how do I write a comic it, book? It wasn't really difficult at all for me. Um, I mean, I I read up a little bit on screenplays and I'd read some uh, full scripts from people like Chuck Dixon and Alan Moore and Warren Ellis just to get a feel for how they did things. And it I mean, it, it really just made sense to me. It didn't it wasn't tough at all. Uh, and it's not all that different from a screenplay, which I'd not tried, but again, I, I've looked into. 
Um, and as far as the process of writing it, I actually found it a little easier because it's a lot faster. I usually think visually anyway when I write my prose. So really, once I had the picture in my head, I just had to say, hey, draw this instead of trying to find the right words to describe it in prose and make it sound good and part of the narrative and concentrate on the grammar and all that sort of thing. The only thing that really shows up on the page that I've written is the dialogue. The rest, the artist has to translate. What's the what's the hardest part of writing a comic strip? Comic script. <laughs> the, the toughest for me was um, I, I learned a lot about layout. I would say, um, like I didn't realize it, but I had two headshots of the same guy on a page, and Joe Buco, he he'd change it and send me the layouts, and I'm like, well, you know, why'd you tweak this? Why'd you tweak that? And he he had a lot of input of things that I wouldn't think of not being an artist. So getting a handle on you know where page breaks are, uh, the flow of the panels, that, that's really more of the artist's territory, and it, getting his perspective was a huge help for me. It's almost, you know, and that's something I felt, that a, a really good sequential artist should almost get a writing co-credit. It's there. Right. And, and, and at the same time, a really good writer should almost get a co-credit on the art because right. they really guide the artist in what they're doing. So uh, to, to work with an artist that, you know, is that sensitive to the storytelling is, sure. is really a, a bonus for you. Well, we battled that out with the uh, Horror Writers Association who awards the, the Bram Stoker Award. I mean, they they concentrate on writers. They, they do allow artists to join, but there's not a lot of benefit for an artist to join. And when they used to give out their awards for illustrated narrative, it was always only had the writer's name on it. Um, I can't remember the specific book, but when you think about something done in like the Marvel method, where somebody draws <laughs> it all, and you know, I I couldn't work that way. But when you think about it, the artist is more integral to that kind of thing than with a standard book. And they should share the credit, and they should get the award as well, but they don't see it that Maybe way. Maybe Bram Stoker had something against sequential artists. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I, I if you that. ever give an award in my name, never, ever <laughs> give it to an artist. Scorned by an artist lover. Scorned, yeah. Uh, there, there are still people I hear that there's a couple of them out there, and, and names are never named, but there are still people that use the Marvel method, which just oh, blows I... me away. Well, I, I mean, I guess it depends. The ghost yeah, of Jack Kirby. I, I couldn't okay. imagine doing it. I, I mean, I couldn't imagine working that I way. I couldn't but imagine doing any of it. <laughs> well, <laughs> I can imagine. Um, what must it be like? But, yeah, I can't remember. Somebody uh, we had talked to not that long ago. I think it was uh, John Suntress or one of his interviews, actually. Someone had mentioned that, that, that there are people still, that yeah. still do it. Um, uh, and, and, and we had talked to John, and he said, hey, can you, can you imagine people still doing that, Mike? I, it shocks me that they do. They, but you know what? I went to Wizard World... I want to say 2000 or something like that, and I sat on a panel on writing comics the Marvel way, mm-hmm. and um, I'm just watching them talk about it. I'm like, who could do that? <laughs> I mean, if I tell them what's on the page, which they don't, they just give them a plot, I guess, and the, the artist draws it, and you got to make the dialogue fit. And it Yeah, then they come back and write dialogue. That's why there's it's, so many bad comics. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's fast. It's quick. Yeah. We get them out. You know, yeah. that we're never late. You I know, mean, it's it's pain in the ass enough to say, I have to fill 22 or 26 pages, but now to say, okay, you have four panels to tell 
ten panels worth of text. I mean, it's almost uh, it's like a mix of either you have to completely give away all like trust or have so much right. trust that you're willing to do it. Yeah, like, well, you know, I it's think one or the other. You, you know, can't like. You look back at like guys like you know Jack Kirby, and that's how he worked most sure. of the time. And so you just, I mean, that's so much more impressive. But he was the king. Well, he was. You yeah, knew what he was king, baby. But but also, I mean, you, you look back at comics of that era, and they're so much more formulaic. That right, it, you can it, fight comics. Yeah, yeah, you know. So <laughs> I could see it then. I mean, I, no I just was going to get it back and be like, God, I. I really imagine the thing was going to punch Doctor Doom with his right fist <laughs> and not his left. I don't know how to write this. Now. Is that, you know what I mean? Uh, you know, I, I, I could see it then. I can't see it now for for anything oh, no. uh, well, of substance. So different. Back then, your your just your dialogue is, "Haha, you have fallen into my trap." And I just punched you. Exactly. Why? <laughs> <laughs> I love the, the and it worked. Yeah, I mean, it worked for what it, you know what it was. Yeah. But 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 uh, but just to pull something off the shelf behind you there. I mean. Look at a hundred bullets. I mean, can you imagine writing that? As dialogue heavy as that is, and then no. Uh, sometimes I think. Sometimes I kind of think that they do write oh. this book like that. <laughs> oh, ouch. Only because I can't understand it, so I'm figuring, you know. Uh, you be you nobody nice hundred bullets. I like a hundred bullets a lot. I just I know. Am confused by it. Um, well, uh, speaking of, of writers, and as we're surrounded by comic books here, yeah. uh, Mike, what are some of your favorite writers or creative teams out there in, in comics today? What what really um, excites you whenever you go to the comic shop? Right now, I I think the guys working with uh, Azarello on 100 Bolts and Loveless have been fantastic. Rizzo, Rizzo and Frusen. I mean, I I think the dark look that they have really suits what he's writing, and now I think. Uh, Probably gonna kill his his pronunciation, but I think it's Daniels as Elch is doing the the latest uh, Loveless run. I mean that dark kind of stuff. I, I think it really works out. Um, I really like what Warren Ellis does. Uh, I think as far as like sheer imagination, his his stuff just kicks ass. Yeah. Uh, stuff's really out there, but yet really cool. Um, I like uh, Garth Ennis. I, I prefer. Like his war stories tales, I think those are just some of his best writing. Uh, he, he had a little, he, he went wild with Punisher and things like that, which was fine too. Um, but you know, Preacher had that and the good solid writing underneath it. Mm-hmm. And then of course, like I said, his war stories has just been solid writing. Which which ones? The what? Fury Peacemaker? No, the uh, I think oh, they're good, just called War Stories from Vertigo. Oh, oh okay, oh, yeah. okay. I was like, because we're going to fight about Fury <laughs> Peacemaker. <laughs> I kind of asked you before the, the show, um, uh, Rick Remender's Sea of Red is one that I really enjoy. And I think that uh, even though it's, it's not werewolves, it's vampires. It's actually vampires. Um, is a nice. really is a really fun spoilers. Pirates are huge <laughs> in the sci-fi side now too. I just did a sci-fi con. And everybody was dressed as a pirate. Have you really? read Exterminators? Oh, I love Exterminators. Oh yeah, good man. I took that on good there. Man. Um, I just recently found the Goon. I mean, that's yeah. I've been loving that. that I read that with my kid. He's four, probably a little too young. But knife to the eye. Knife to the knife eye. To the <laughs> eye. <laughs> they used to do that back in the day. Well, <laughs> <My> grandfather. <laughs> Where did your grandfather grow up? Uh, hey, Tom, uh, come here. Let me give you a knife to the eye. Back in the <laughs> kids would get knives all the time. Back, back before. All right, all right, all right. Let's uh, hold on. I, 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 okay, so you have, you have, you know, you, you write the book, you get it, you get an artist, you get it published, and now the hard work really starts because you're coming out, you know, an independent publisher, a small publisher, Moonstone, who is known, but they're not, you know, compared, you it's know, it's not Marvel. It's not Marvel. It's not DC. Uh, 
you know, working with previews, as we've talked about, is only, you know, going to get you so much. What's the process from that point, or what has your process been from that point of trying to promote the book? It's um, it's pretty much just get as much exposure as you can anywhere you can, really. Um, podcast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, things like this, I, I love doing it anyway, but it, it you know, there's probably going to be a few people out there that will hopefully order the book, and that's fine. And every little bit counts. Um, you know, the Moonstone was a little bit disappointed by the turnout at the con in Iowa, and it was a very small con. I mean, you're talking to dealers in Iowa. Yeah. It, it, <laughs> Sorry, all of our listeners in Iowa. I'll <laughs> you. Phil Hester. The, the dealer's Sorry, room Phil. was uh, the size of a school gym. I mean, it was tiny. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, I sold a half a dozen books to people that probably wouldn't have seen it before, and I'm fine with that. Um, well, I was gonna, I was gonna ask you that because uh, you had mentioned uh, sci-fi cons. I mean, you don't just go to to comic book conventions. Right. You're at horror and sci-fi cons. Right. And how do um, how do comic creators get received at the non-comic book conventions? It's hard to say. Uh, I wasn't at World Horror. Uh, that's the one I used to go to every year. This year, I sent my books to one of the bookstores that was there, and he said it sold very well. Um, but usually you don't get a lot of people talking about comics. I mean, they concentrate on, uh, at, at World Horror anyway, they concentrate on books. Mm-hmm. At a convention like Horror Find out in Baltimore, the movies very much takes over. That's the big draw. You might see some people with comics. Like, I think I've seen somebody had a lot of, like, Dead Dog stuff on there, Dead Dog Press. Uh, but, you know, it kind of fits in with the slasher motif, mm-hmm. the whole, you know, Jason versus Freddy and all that kind of thing. I mean, that's, that's where the biggest fans that come to the horror cons are. Um, at this last con I was at, it was HyperCon down in Nashville last weekend, and they are trying to get more of a comics presence, but the panel we did on the comics was, was very small, yet I still sold more comics there than I did at Iowa. So, And we're talking comparable attendance sizes. Do you think there's much crossover between the fans that'll go to a to a horror con and a and a I mean is there any cross pollination at all or is it just a totally different any, v- any vampire power He's, girls dressed yeah. up <laughs> You stole my word. Well I see no there's a guy that goes to our con every year. He has a green lantern outfit but he has devil horns and contacts. So he's got this satanic green lantern nice. thing going on. <laughs> cool. It's really bizarre. But um I, I wouldn't say as much as you'd expect. I, I think when you talk the core audience, you're looking at the Trekkies and the Star Wars guys on the one side, and then the slasher guys on horror, and then, of course, the superhero fans. I think those are the three biggest things. There's some crossover, but probably not as much as we hope. Like I think Moonstone and I were both a little bit disappointed on how... like We thought, okay, we'll stick Bram Stoker Ward on there. And we thought that would bring in a lot bigger draw, and it really hasn't had much impact because a lot of people, to be honest, don't really know what it is outside the horror community. So, well, I think I think I'm going to put you in touch with my buddy Jay, and you guys can start a werewolf con, and we'll just do it hey, all werewolf con, wolf con, full <laughs> <laughs> <Little> moon con. <laughs> um, yeah, well, I mean, so what's your what's your next uh, what's your next step from here? I mean, as far as uh, the the next issue is coming out, are you doing the the convention circuit at all, or what conventions are you going to next? Uh, the next one I'll be at is uh, Wizard World Chicago. That'll be the next big yeah. uh, or, or Comic Con. Yep. It's part hey. Hell yeah! And, uh, <laughs> I'm bringing the smokes, and uh, <laughs> then I'm gonna try to hit like maybe Mid Ohio or Baltimore. 
I don't have a whole lot planned this year. I hear Mid-Ohio is cool. That's what I'm told. I always hear good things about Mid-Ohio. Moonstone used to go. I don't know if they're going this year, but, um, you know, that's why I can drive to and just, you know, get a hotel room. Um, And at Baltimore, I can crash at a friend's place that lives out there. I think you have to write Edgar Allan Poe books to go to Baltimore. Baltimore, They're really accepted there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Bad joke, sorry. Not a bad joke, just... The delivery was all (laughs) Not the best. (laughs) Listen to Around Comics, new every Monday, and now with all new and improved bumpers between segments. The anticipation is killing you, isn't it? Mike, tell us about yourself. What's your favorite sports team? (laughs) Uh, I'd follow football. I'd say the Bears and the Jets are my two favorites. Boo! I'm a Packers fan. Oh, you suck. (laughs) You are? (laughs) Yeah, I'm from Green Bay. Oh, Jesus. You haven't figured that out yet? I didn't know that. You've known him for like five months. You don't know he's a Packers fan? I don't talk to Tom. I'm the Paul Horning of podcasts. When the mics go off, I don't talk to Tom. I mean, come on. What do you do? What do you do besides comics? Whenever you're not writing comics or or novels, what do you I'm the technology coordinator for a school district out in rural Illinois in the middle of a cornfield. We've got three buildings, and basically I run all their computers and when the teachers whine that their email doesn't work, I'm the one who gets the call. Nice. So Married do you kids? enjoy it? You have any? Married, three kids. Wow. And the job, the job's going very well. Uh, this is actually the second school I've worked for, and I will say I, it's nicer to work for education than uh, anywhere else I've worked because I get all those little BS holidays off, like Martin Luther King Columbus Day. Day. Columbus Day. <laughs> I hate you. Summer. Well, you guys are all at work. I'm sitting at home. Nice. So that's how you find time. I was going to say, you have three kids. How do you find time to write? That That's a big part of it is that a job like that. It's very low stress. You know, I don't have to worry about going home and decompressing or anything like that. Um, the district is only... 600 kids so it's it's not a it's not like i'm constantly running around it's it it, i have time to sit and think you know and and that helps um our youngest my kids range from about a month old to four years old four and a half years old and you know obviously there's a lot involved with that but i mean i i still get my downtime in between do you have a favorite child (laughs) no (laughs) are any of them werewolves (laughs) I was that was fun, that was that was funny, Tom. But uh, not as funny as you used to be. Like before the the trip. You've to noticed New York. that too. Yeah, I um, did. Yeah. Tom's changed. There's something different <laughs> episode about episode negative one. There, no, 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 no. You were you were funnier before New York, and um, we think we may know why. Um, oh, someone someone okay. sent us something that we've been holding on to for a little while, and we wanted to. Expose it at the so, uh, at the right time. So. so so Tom, why don't you just sit right there for a second? Um, hi. This is a little tough for me. Um, I'm Tom Caters. Uh, I was jumped while I was on vacation. Some guy dressed in a Mansoor moolah um costume hit me over the head with. A Captain Cold statuette. Um, this is kind of tough for me. Um, oftentimes I'm alone in this dark room. Um, scared. Um, look, whoever that guy is, it's not me. Um, maybe you could send some help or something. Um, anyway, 
Uh, just get me out. <laughs> this, it starts off sounding actually like, <laughs> I swear when I first part. when I first got that and that oh, was uh, let's, let's record. We, I, we are oh we are yeah. oh, gosh, when, when I first got that that was sent in by Braxton yeah Braxton, Bra- Braxton thank you our, very one much one of our listeners sent that in and uh, when Tom went away the next week we got that and I got it and it said something about the real Tom Caters and I'm like okay what's that and I start listening and I'm like <laughs> What is Tom it's, sending this? It's what like is a, what, and I really thought it was you at first. Some recording of me at a bar just being <laughs> like, "Around comics sucks." <laughs> <laughs> as soon as I as soon as I get my own podcast started and I can well, steal their dozens of listeners, you, you, you better be careful because I got an email from uh, from Braxton earlier this week and he says that he's perfecting the voice. The, the, the Tom Caters. Yeah, so he said he's been practicing. I am extremely uncomfortable not- with the thought of someone practicing <laughs> talking like me. I had so much Welcome to podcasting yeah, semi quasi fame. Jesus, don't well, try too hard. I'm gonna have to change up my change um, up my style, my lyrical style. Maybe somebody could send some help. Some maybe maybe. maybe. God, do I sound like that? A little, yeah. Well, guys, kinda. I tell you what, um, Mike, Mike, <laughs> Mike, Mike's just sitting there going, "What Jesus. the hell <laughs> was that?" A bunch of nerds. How much was he drinking when he recorded that? A bunch of nerds. So I tell you what, um, Mike, we're we're gonna have you on for the rest of the show, and we'll talk a little bit more about uh, Call of the Wild as we go here. Um, but I tell you what, guys, let's uh, go ahead and move over to the news desk. It is time for Wire to Wire Comic News. These are your top headlines for the week of June twenty sixth, two thousand and six. East meets West, G.I. Joe style. Special Missions Tokyo and the return of fan favorite Tim Seeley have been announced. This September, Devil's Due Publishing delves into the missions of the G.I. Joe Reserves roster in G.I. Joe Special Missions Tokyo, a 48-page one-shot featuring art from fan favorite Tim Seeley and stories by Robert Rohde and Mike O'Sullivan. When the ninja Jinx finds herself in over her head in a disappearance investigation, her distress call is answered by the most gung-ho, wild, and rockin' G.I. Joes around. G.I. Joes under license from Hasbro Properties Group, the intellectual property development arm of Hasbro Inc. Red Eagle Entertainment and Alias Enterprises announced that they have entered into a far-reaching business relationship to develop, produce, and publish new comic books and graphic novels for global markets based on Red Eagle managed properties and brands. Red Eagle will have first look right to develop motion pictures, television programming, video games, and other ancillary products that are based on Alias Comics, graphic novels, and original story concepts. For further information regarding Red Eagle's entertainment projects, go to www.red-eagle-entertainment.com. This October, just one week before the original hardcover graphic novel, Fables 1001 Nights of Snowfall, is scheduled to arrive in stores, DC Comics will publish the Fables number 1 special edition. This reprint of the Eisner Award-winning Vertigo series debut issue is specially priced at just 25 cents. Along with the classic story, Old Tales Revisited, written by Bill Willingham, the Fables number 1 special edition includes a special sneak peek at Fables 1001 Nights of Snowfall. 
plus an introduction by Willingham and advertisements highlighting Fables Collected Editions and more. The Fables Number 1 Special Edition and Fables 1001 Nights of Snowfall hardcover will be advanced solicited in July previews with both arriving in stores this October. According to Reuters.com, Zack Snyder, who made his feature filmmaking debut with 2004's Dawn of the Dead, has come aboard to develop and direct Watchmen, based on the seminal Alan Moore saga. Alex Say, who worked with director Spike Lee on the Showtime Cable Network production Sucker Free City, is writing a script for the long-gestating Watchmen project, now in the pipeline at Warner Brothers Pictures. Watchmen is one of the most critically acclaimed comic book titles, credited with redefining the superhero genre by exploring the private lives of its costume crime-fighting protagonists. Oming and Brandon Cross Bronx a comatose girl, supernatural criminals, two cops on the edge. What do they all have in common? Welcome to the world of the Cross Bronx. A brand new four-issue miniseries by Michael Avon Oming and Ivan Brendan that seamlessly mixes police procedure and the supernatural. The series, which marks Oming's first large-scale sequential work outside of powers in years, follows Detective Raphael Aponte in the Bronx as he investigates a mysterious gang slaying that quickly brings him face-to-face -face with the supernatural in the form of a beautiful ghost named Santeria. Taking out her revenge on the city, Santeria challenges Aponte's faith in the law as it clashes with his faith in God, or lack of it. In the vein of High Plains Drifter and Taxi Driver, the Cross Bronx delves into two worlds. One is the dark side of the supernatural, and the other is the dark side of crime noir. Along with handling the art chores, Omin is also co-writing the book with Ivan Brendan, one of the creators of the critically acclaimed NYC mech. The two of them found common ground with Cross Bronx. Available for order in July previews, Cross Bronx is scheduled to be in stores on September 13th. A London hospital that holds the copyright to Peter Pan has questioned the appropriateness of a series of books that portrays the character Wendy exploring her sexuality. The Lost Girls books by graphic novelist Alan Moore are about three world-famous characters, Wendy, Dorothy from The Wizard of Oz, and Alice from Alice's Adventures in Wonderland. The characters meet one another and have sexual adventures. Wendy not only engages in erotic trysts, but also encounters pedophiles. Moore wrote three separate Lost Girls novels in 1995, 96, and 2005, all featuring Wendy, and some were published by the small U.S. company Kitchen Sink Press. They include drawings by artist Melinda Gibby of sexual acts that could be considered pornographic, and some of the books were sold in England with an adults-only warning on their jackets. American publisher Top Shelf Productions is publishing all three of the books as Lost Girls Collected. Stephen Cox, the hospital spokesman, said Friday that it has not taken legal action against Moore and is waiting to see whether the author will contact the institution to discuss its objections. The hospital didn't know about the Lost Girls books until Moore was recently interviewed about them by the British Broadcasting Corporation. Civil War tie-ins have been just as popular as the main event itself. 
As a result of the massive response to these now sold out titles, Marvel is going back to press on New Avengers Illuminati Special, Wolverine number 42, Amazing Spider-Man number 532, Thunderbolts number 103, and She-Hulk number 8. Featuring a special variant cover scheme running across three of the back to presses, New Avengers Illuminati Special, Wolverine number 42, and Amazing Spider-Man number 532 will lose the standard Civil War banner and feature an iconic image from the interior of that specific book. Despite large overprintings, all five of these books have sold out as a result of new readers and the return of old readers to the comic shops to read Civil War. Reprints of the tie-ins will be in stores on July 19th. These have been your top headlines. For the full version of these and other stories, go to www.aroundcomics.com, your source for the best in comics news, reviews, and opinions. Those are your top headlines. Uh, guys, let's start right at the top. Uh, East meets West, G.I. Joe style. It's a uh, new G.I. Joe going to Tokyo, but I guess the, the big news is that uh, Tim Seeley is going back to G.I. Joe for a little stint. Uh, he's working on uh, Forgotten Realms, but uh, the last thing that he put out that I really enjoyed was Loaded Bible. So, a little Seeley so goodness. maybe we'll see G.I. Joe fight Jesus. <laughs> Snake Eyes versus Jesus. Nice. <laughs> Cobra fighting. Cobra, he'll heal Snake Eye's muteness. <laughs> so we we, we wish uh, <laughs> we wish Tim uh, good luck on uh, on his return to GI Joe. Does anybody read GI Joe? Has I anyone ever read? I, I mean, I you know when they first launched, I picked up a few of them. Did you? But yeah. I haven't really since. I don't know. There's just something about. I mean, when I was a kid, I was a huge GI Joe fan. Yeah, but I've still got my old collection. Yeah, yeah. I still <laughs> you know, I still tear up when I think about that episode where Snake Eyes gets caught behind like the glass thing in the Arctic. <laughs> with the wolf, and they have to take escape. What was the wolf's name? Please edit that out. No, that I said anybody, that out loud. Anybody remember wolf's uh, name? I I think no. one of the you know send us email us if you know the wolf's <laughs> name. Timber something. Timber. Timber. Nice. Timber. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Never mind. Such a bunch yeah, but, but I do like the fact that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Devils, Devils Do has been able to use these licensed properties to further a lot of their other pro- products. Like Lost Squad. Like Lost Squad, like uh, mm-hmm. Nightwolf, which uh, I talked to uh, Mike about a little bit uh, before the show, which is a really nice... And, Tom, you still have to read Elsinore. Yes. Right, I'm telling yeah, you, you have to pick that up. Uh, Red Eagle Entertainment and Alias Enterprises have... Uh, Decided to go into a far-reaching business relationship. So um, I think a good thing for Alias, it looks like uh, being a part of Red Eagle is going to give them a little bit more uh, flexibility to do some stuff, and uh, you're going to see some of their comic properties. Well, and that's another, uh, um, what's his, uh, Robert Jordan, this right. Wheel of Time series, another mm-hmm. author crossing over. I just don't know how they're going to do that one. I mean, we're going to have like 100 issues just to cover the first yeah, book. Yeah, no kidding. so huge. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, the, you know, a lot of these companies are jumping on that, you know, sort of idea of... of so, well, it's a very competitive industry, and it's these kinds of partnerships that I think a lot of the smaller publishers are maybe going to look at to uh, to give them a little bit more flexibility to do what they're wanting to do. That way, um, you know, it's, we talk about Speakeasy all the time. That was a company that, 
had some great stuff but made some missteps and it, it was a company that really couldn't afford any mistakes and that's and that's saying easy our yeah. weekly speakeasy get in rucka get in rucka right now <laughs> But that's saying something, considering the guy who ran Speakeasy was like a multi-millionaire. Yeah, and yeah he Speakeasy, Rucka, Monkeys. There, we're covered. We got all okay. our three, three, our three touchdowns. Yeah. Um, uh, moving on to uh, Fables. Uh, there's going to be a, a 25-cent issue. And that it's we keep seeing this over the last year or so, is that uh, these you know 10-cent or 25-cent issues seem to be really good ways to spark interest in, in series. Uh, Mark, we'll go ahead and, and talk to our, our resident comic shop expert here. Uh, do the 25 cent issues do really well? Yes. Yes. Yes, <laughs> he they says. Do. You're well enough. I mean, we, we don't usually get more than 20, 25. They, okay. they don't you get too many. But you, get, you get rid of them. All right. Um, they're, they're using this besides the fact that um, the Fables uh, Special Edition number one is going to be a reprint of the first issue of Fables. It's going to have some some extra material in there by a, and some in, uh, introduction by Bill Willingham. But this is the week before the uh, hardcover graphic novel One Thousand and One Nights of Snowfall is is coming out. Now, is everybody here caught up with their Fables reading right I, now? I get it yep. in trades, so I got all the trades up until. Than one that's coming out in like a week. So or no, two. you're not. I'm as caught up as I can reasonably be expected <laughs> to be caught up. Caught up on. Sal, I'm flustered uh, now. Yes, I am caught up. Oh, on liar! Okay. Look at the no, well, no. no Mike, that. do you read fables? Yep, I collect the singles. Oh, okay, yeah. so you you read fifty? Yeah. Okay, so we'll just laugh at Tom because fifty was a really really good. Well, I'll issue. read it. I'll get it. It's not like you're okay. going to get a different fifty than I am in the trade. <laughs> it's not like I'm getting a better one. <laughs> But, oh, yeah. but that, 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 I'll still read yeah. it. Guys. That, that series is just so incredibly strong. So, uh, yeah. did, did you guys read the last standalone? Oh, shut up. I'm just kidding. <laughs> did you read the last standalone? Uh, <clears throat> Jack uh, of Fables? Not Jack of Fables, which is also uh, got previewed in the last issue of Fables, but the uh, uh, the castle. The last castle? Was that the name of it? Last castle. No. Really, if you're a Fables fan, it is, it's it's a thicker... Uh, it's a prestige book. Yeah, it's a prestige really style. Really good. It's it's really about about the war and the homelands. I missed yeah, it. Little boy blues relationship. Little yeah, boy blues. Oh, you need the money. Red Riding Hood. Translating from I'll let you borrow it. But yeah, Fables fans out there, if you have not picked up the Last Castle, look for it. It, it was absolutely fantastic. Um, okay, this one. Uh, I figure someone's going to rant on this. Uh, Zack Snyder and Alex Say. Have been announced as the screenwriting oh, slash. How about director. a rave? Okay. I, I think, no, I'm just. I, I don't think. Know. I think. Like, It'll never be made. So who cares? <laughs> well, I think movie. I think movie <laughs> companies now are just trying to find like the Someone best way to do it. N- no, to like make Alan Moore lose his mind completely and <laughs> yeah, you know, hang himself. <laughs> at some Alan point, Moore's you know, having like, a stroke. Yeah. Right. <laughs> 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 who? Sue Sucker Freeze. <laughs> You know, and Dawn of the Dead. I, I, I'm probably butchering his name. It, it's T S E is how it's spelled. So I'm assuming it's C. At one point, C. I was attached to Watchmen <laughs> <in> development for <laughs> sure. You know, but uh, I and, didn't and, even and know. This guy may be an incredible writer. I have not read any of his stuff, but whenever your biggest accomplishment as a writer is working on Sucker Free City, Sucker, it's bigger than yours. <laughs> Absolutely, but you know, I mean, come on, this is the guy no, that's being tabbed to, to write the screenplay for probably the most important comic work in maybe the last twenty-five years. It's like it's asking John Grisham to write an adaptation of the Bible. 
Okay. <laughs> no offense to John Grisham or, or the or Bible. Or, or the Bibles. Oh. Or the Bibles. The um, Bibles. I, I the not, monks. I have not seen Dawn of the Dead. Sal, you and Mike are big uh, horror fans. I saw it. I enjoyed it. I mean, it, it wasn't outstanding. It's, it's a it, was, it was a zombie movie. Yeah, yeah, you know, I mean, it's... It's hard to judge something like that because it's a remake of a B film. Right. You know, I mean, you're not taking right. a... Well, Watchmen was a remake of B characters. Well, it wasn't well, a remake. It was well, a, yeah, you know, you know examination. Yeah, it was of, an examination of, of Charlton it, characters. And it makes it tough to judge this guy's writing on a, on a remake. I mean, he took another script... And, yeah, and adapted it. So it, well, actually, he he was the director. It's it's Alex Say, who is uh, um, doing the the script, and, and he wrote Sucker Free oh, City. Well. So he, he worked Sucker. with director Sucker. Spike Lee. So I, Ramsey, you know, this Ramsey's this, this watch, hey, the Watchmen movie. I think has, no matter, it has train wreck written. Well, all I, over I think it. there's nothing. I, I think there's we're no already way. trashing it. I don't think I don't think there's a way you can not make it. Bad. <laughs> I don't think you're. I don't think that that you could make that into a two-hour film or even a you know a two and a half-hour film, and it and trying to compare it to the the book is going to be impossible. Is, is it a, is it a movie that's destined to fail? I guess is what we're trying to I get at. So. I don't no, think no it'll ever get. It's gonna have, I think it'll ever get made. Some, there'll be you'll have all these core fans that'll tell it tear apart no matter what. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. The, the hype behind it, the, the you know the expectations behind it. it there's they no way make, you can't. Can you're not going to make a good version and yeah. still get ripped. Yeah. They could make well, like yeah. a, a good version that's fine for a movie and it would still get just destroyed by like. Well, the Peter Jackson comic. got ripped apart I, by I, a lot of core yeah. Tolkien fans, and that I mean, you could never. I mean, but see, ten the, years ago, you never could have asked for a better adaptation of exactly the, of the Rings. Ho- Hollywood. Uh, I hope I'm not torpedoing my future movie <laughs> right career and all that, but. No, I mean, they, they've got the kiss of death, man. They get a hold of a book. Well, we need to throw in a dog and a kid to make it more accessible to audience. It's like, come on, you know, the the book was as successful as it can be. Why change Let's it? Make your werewolf or rapper? Yeah, <laughs> well, I yeah, think, yeah. I think I think the, the it's like putting Eminem in that. Uh, as paladin and and have gun well travel. It's like come on. I think that sounds good. I, <laughs> I think the biggest I'm shoot you know. <laughs> the the biggest problem it'll have is that the what one of the things that makes Watchmen so good is that it was written it was only written for the medium of comics. It couldn't have worked in any other medium. You couldn't have done what he did or what they did with that book in any other medium. So to try and take it to to something that doesn't have any of the aspects of sequential art or any of the abilities that sequential art offer, it's there's just it's impossible to do. It, they can make a, a a decent movie out of it, but that's all it's going to be. It's not going right. to ever live up to what the comic yeah, is. Yeah, what, what made it great as comic <clears throat> is that it was deconstructing comics in ways that we had never seen it before. Well, not only that, but it used it used <coughs> the medium more so than any other comic probably before or since. I mean it, you know. I mean he used that. He used the 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 art of storytelling through a comic book more than anything else has ever been done. I think. Sure. See. And yeah. now you're going to take that all out of it because you can't do that with a movie. The the fear for me is like, they're going to assume that most people just aren't going to get it, and someone's going to stick their fingers in it and change things and demand changes, and I don't think it'll be the same. Maybe yeah. it'll be made at a point where we've seen so many comic book movies that they can make a comic book movie. 
version of it using the same sort of book movies. Yeah, <laughs> maybe people become so used to comic so book movies it, it'll get be used like to Scream. Well, yeah, 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 kind of. Where it gets, they you know, you know that. that that they're gonna make Rorschach the, you know, the central figure in that in that movie, but even more so than he was ever intended to be in the in the comic. So we'll we'll see. I mean, it's all speculation. Where we're, it, it's a knee jerk reaction because. I, me personally, right. I'm really afraid. Oh, of and what it's going to be rated PG-13. All right, well, let's go on to some happy news, <clears throat> and uh, yeah. uh, we're going to talk uh, about the Cross Bronx from Michael Avon Omin and Ivan Brendan. I'm sorry, the, I've never heard of them. Oh, yeah, you're the one that I'm told me about it. Your story. Um, this What's sounds, it about? <laughs> Playing along. I go back and, and listen to the news, Tom. <coughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> no, it, it does sound like a, oh. a really, really cool book uh, in the vein of High Plains Drifter and Taxi Driver. Uh, if that's your hook, you, you've got me right there. Uh, it's a little supernatural, but it's very street level. It's uh, Omin's first work really since, you know, um, since Powers. I, you know, he's still doing Powers, but it's his first large-scale mm-hmm. uh, sequential work. And what what else is really cool about this story, Sal? Uh, we are going to have Michael Ivan Oming and Ivan Brandon on next week Yay. Uh, to talk about Cross Bronx. They were kind enough to uh, to take time out to uh, come on the show next week. Did so they remember to feed them? <laughs> now that we have them locked in the basement. <laughs> <laughs> I drugged them and shipped uh, them to Chicago. Um, in, in preparation for that, um, anyone listening that uh, that is interested, please go uh, take a look at AroundComics.com. Uh, take a look at the Cross Bronx preview. It is really some stunning looking uh, work from Omin and Ivan Brennan's work on New York City Mech is really good. If you haven't checked that out, please do so. And they are really pushing this book because they care about it. So if you have a chance and you haven't made your orders for the month, take a look in previews and uh, think about the Cross Bronx. And then next week we'll get really more in-depth in this with uh, with Omin and Brandon on the show. Uh, next story, guys. Uh, the London Hospital in, uh, in the U.K. that is being, uh, as, as we said in the break, very British about their disagreement well, with uh, We're with rather Moore. upset with Alan, <laughs> with... It, they're not suing him. They want stern to, letter. Yeah, yeah. It's basically some a letter with some stern language has been sent out, and they uh, they are not very happy with uh, Alan Moore's depiction of Wendy, and, and they own the copyright to the character. So w- without me knowing every um, part of the you Peter know, Pan. Uh, no, of you know, I haven't read Lost Girls, and you know, I I don't know what the hospitals. Um, exactly. Well, apparently neither have they. Yeah. But from the um, you know, the the press information that's leaked about it and and all the talk and that's been generated about it, they they got wind of it and yeah, they're not happy with Alan Moore and and him using a copyrighted character. Do they have a right to be upset <clears throat> with him? The, the well, creator of Peter Pan handed the copyrights, the mm-hmm. the publishing rights over to the hospital. And and it's like, like a children's hospital. Yeah, yeah, that was his gift to them. Um. I don't honestly remember reading whether or not Peter Pan is old enough to be in public domain now or no, not. No, they still own it for in in Britain and Europe okay. until 2008, I believe. That sounds about but right. But then they, they'll they still after that it, they won't have it in Europe, um, but they will still own the copyright in Britain. So as far as in Britain, in the U.S., I mean Peter Pan, you know Disney already you know redid sure. the, you know did mm-hmm. the Peter Pan movies and and 
the copyrights here aren't, aren't an issue, but uh, there they are. So I don't know what it's gonna, you know, what's gonna happen legally. Yeah. But well, I mean, they because they <clears throat> own the rights, they obviously have a right to be upset legally. Yeah. Um, do, you know, morally, you know, and I'll ask you guys, and you don't have to answer if you don't want to. Uh, but we'll start with Sal. Are, whose side are you on with this? <laughs> not not no, Iron Man yeah. or Captain I, America. You, you know, on the one hand, I don't think any subject should ever be taboo um, to write about. On the other hand, I find it hypocritical of him to complain when he sells the rights to his work or someone sells the rights to his work that he's given up and they do, you know, they make a movie or something out of it and he doesn't like it. Mm-hmm. And he complains very publicly about it, yet he turns around and writes something that is using someone else's characters in a way that I'm sure were, they were never intended to be. Uh, you know, considering it's, it's their children's stories. You think? Yeah, I, I mean, you know, morally, you know, that's such a slippery slope, and I, I, you know, I have a hard time coming down on either side of it. You know, personally, I could care less about that book. I don't care what people, you know, people are claiming it's, you know, so extremely well written that it doesn't matter that it's, you know, pornography. Slash fiction. Yeah, whatever. I don't, I don't really care. I have no interest in reading it. Um, I'm. You know, I, personally, I'm I'm a very big fan of the of the book Peter Pan, and um, but you're also a huge Alan Moore fan. You've I never masturbated huge... by reading while reading Peter Pan. <laughs> no, I I can't say oh, that. Wendy, <laughs> um, but you know, <laughs> once again, I mean, if it was if it was if it was such a great work of art, why d- the need to use those characters? Yeah. Um, what. Well, other than to cause uh, this sort of commotion about it, sort of he, he couldn't have he couldn't yeah. have written some other story. Well, Tom, Tom, what do you feel about it? I, I can't really care either way. It's not like this hospital is going to write a new Peter Pan book where their version of it's going to be damaged by Alan Moore. It's like well, it's I, think, just like, I think what's interesting is that they're not they're not wanting. I from yeah. what I see is that they're not wanting financial. Yeah. you know. Uh, restitution for this, they're yeah. kind of not wanting it to be printed. Yeah, it's just like <clears throat> I guess I just I have a hard time thinking that it should just be stopped for any reason. You could just change. The, I, I you know I don't care. I guess would be the best way to describe <laughs> it. I'm not going to get the book, and I don't think I'm going to end up in the children's hospital. So I think I can play it neutral. <laughs> yeah, it's just it just seems like they're mad and he's doing what he's doing and whatever it's art people get pissed about stuff all the time Mike people are going to whine about everything Um, (laughs) I personally to me I I can't speak for the content obviously having not read it yet but uh, and and why he'd choose to use these characters but it seems to me like it falls fairly close to the same things of fair use and parody as anything else like if you know you can get away with a lot if you call it parody and this really uh, strikes me as the same in concept i know he's not trying to do it as, as humor like most parody but it seems to follow along the he's same thing he's also not trying to sell it as peter pan right yeah right it, yeah i mean if he were targeting peter pan fans well he'd probably have a lot bigger <laughs> trouble you know? yeah. yeah some weird but, stuff going on um what do you think the reaction would have been or would be now if it wasn't Alan Moore writing this, if it was Mike Oliveri writing this? Nobody yeah, would Mike. care. <laughs> <laughs> no one would care. Uh, or, well, if, if I use the same characters, you mean? Yeah. 
I hate to tell you this, but I own the right to all werewolf stories. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, that's the other thing is I think these guys can get away with a lot more given who they are. Um, if it, if it were me, they would just assume I'm shooting for shock. Yeah. So. So why can't we say that that's what right. Alan Moore is doing? Because right. Alan Moore also wrote Watchmen. That's, that's right. Well, that's wrote Watchmen. He's that, revered that's, as that's God in yeah, certain circles. Well, yeah, like I said, I mean, I. <coughs> he wants to write a classy porno, man. <laughs> and that's fine. I got, I, I you fine. know, hey, w- I, I suppose he's earned the, earned the right. Yeah. Like I said, my only issue with it is is the hypocrisy of of it. The man and, with and the him. beard. I mean, the guy that, that you tremendous. Know, the guy that comes out and you know just completely bashes anything that rips do. his name off a project. Yeah, and and, you know. and went out of his way to make it so public this time around with V for Vendetta, right. and now you know, and then to turn around and use someone else. And he, and he's done it in a lot of what he. I mean, everything that he's really been pop, you know, famous for was using other characters, someone else created. Yeah, yeah I, you know, I mean, from hell. I mean, that's you know. He can just do it because nobody owns it. Um, so maybe he I deserves mean. to have Watchmen chat on. <laughs> maybe you know, maybe it's you know karma maybe coming around. Let's get, you know, Chris, hey. let's get Chris Tucker in that movie too. <laughs> it's really screwed up, huh? <laughs> I, you know, like yeah. I said, I mean, I, I'm a huge Alan Moore fan. I just you know it 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 just seems unfortunate that this is happening well, is, is how I look at it's it it's just silly like I said I haven't read it I probably none of us are going to get it I probably need to yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah, it. I'm not going to drop the 75 bucks for it I'll tell you that yeah, alright moving yeah. on um, so on to another happy story um, Civil War tie-ins are selling extremely well so well that uh, they even uh, overprinted and five of them are going back to print for uh, new printings and variant covers. So nice. Uh, yeah. Michael Turner doing all of them. <laughs> <laughs> Are they sketchy? Are they all going to no, be them sitting around cool a casket? What's cool about some of the variants is that they've taken you know one of the quote unquote iconic panels from <clears throat> the inside of the book and they're making that pencil that sketch. Well, it's uh, no, it's not the pencil sketch. Well, <laughs> um, like variant you know, Spider Man at the end of Spider Man, he had this you know you know family meeting with May and, and Mary Jane and they're all hugging at the end and that's going to be the cover. Of the, yeah, it was I a, still, it I was still a very special amazing Spider-Man. I could well, well, okay, I mean, but you know, no, I don't have I don't think I have is, no issue with variant covers and reprintings mm-hmm. because if they sold out and people still want it, go and buy it. You know, just don't buy 14 copies of the same comic and put them away in but a box. But people will. That's yeah, why no, they do well, it. You know, th- I I got these. But if I catch them doing it, they'll get and I told them not to do it. I mean, it is for the speculator. We're, we're actually we're actually going to tear off the covers of the reprints yeah. and put them. Oh well, come on! You've never. Re- I mean, I've missed issues. <coughs> that no, I'm I saying the very cover and... is for the speculator. Yeah. That's why but they I don't think that people way. do that much anymore. I know well, they are. You know, I, I bought no, the, I bought the first. I don't think do. in this instance necessarily they are. I mean, they're, they're, when they reprint something, when they come out with something, and the same week there's a variant cover. Yeah, and it's thirty dollars. Yeah, that's for the no, speculator. No, you know, it's like but with when Infinite re- Crisis too. They did the same thing. You put out a variant cover so people that already bought it. And I've been on forums where people say they'll buy the same book they just bought because it has a variant cover. That's just you know, sick. I yeah, know. It's, yeah. I'm not agreeing with that. I'm saying that. I mean, and it's not evil. It's hey, what they do. But a lot, of, a lot of these books. I mean, they they sold out, and they seriously like. I got to the shop and. I have, no problem, with, so I have Mike, no problem with uh, reprinting them. When's the werewolf? Yeah, the wild variant cover. Michael Turner variant cover. Well, I was I was going to say though we we actually talked about doing variant covers for number one, 
not so much to sell extra copies, but to get a known name associated with the book. Right. Yeah. So we took it from an, from that angle. However, you have, like, Avatar Press has four or five different covers for uh, Wolfskin, Black Gas, mm-hmm. and so forth. They'll have, like, a, a, a safe a cover, <laughs> but then they have, like, two gore covers. They have a yeah. wraparound cover. Yeah. They have all kinds of covers. Mm. There's something evil about reprinting books. And, and you, like you say, say covers, somebody out there is buying all yeah, those covers. Um, did you come out with a, a black and white interior version of the book? Or every no. every printing was color. I know that, that color. Dave yeah. with uh, scar tissue, that each one had a, a color and a black and white version. So pusher, yeah. <laughs> pusher man. Oh, um, there was a story that didn't pop up in the recorded news, but uh, I want to chit chat a minute about, and that is uh, Galactic Bounty Hunters is coming out from Marvel, and that is a Jack <coughs> Kirby property that. Uh, his uh, daughter Lisa Kirby and um, looking at some of the other people in there, it looks like Tom Brevert is going to be the uh, the editor on that. Is so. that coming out on Icon? I thought I read that that is was coming I- out on the Icon imprint. Does anybody know that? Mark, any idea? Galactic Bounty. Galactic Hunters? Bounty Hunters. Uh, I think it's under Icon. Oh, is yeah, it under Marvel? And it's and it's Steve Robertson, Mike Thibodeau, and Richard French are. Uh, are all working on that, so it's basically a uh, a Jack Kirby creation that that never saw the the light of day, and uh, now they have a but family member. Really? But is it really? Is it really? Is it really? really? That often like, makes like me the wonder. century. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jack. <laughs> well, it is his daughter. Stan Stan's lost character. His granddaughter is his granddaughter. Daughter. Uh, I believe daughter. Daughter. Well, we had what was that Roddenberry show that Major Barrett threw out? Oh man, I can't remember. Andromeda, was it? Yeah. Um, I like Andromeda. They said, you know, hey, this is something that Gene Roddenberry created. And and look, we found it in. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. yeah. We found it in the basement. It's like, did you really, or are you just kind (laughs) of robbing the corner? Once told me he wanted to do a show. Um, yeah. <laughs> what what was the other Roddenberry show? The one that was the the five year arc, and I don't think it ever got to the five year. It was with the the aliens that had come to Earth, and it was, uh, was that Babylon, Babylon Five. five? Yeah, that's what I'm no, 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 no. It was it's it was called a, it's called oh. Bab Bab Five. Well, the, it's Fab oh, Five. Yeah. That's Fabulon? actually the one I was thinking of. Uh, it was good. It was. Uh, I didn't like it. <laughs> no, the first, the first, the first two seasons. So yeah. anybody the who first can decipher minutes. my my babbling. Right. Anyone right. who yeah. you can go- if you take that whole conversation and Google it. I'm How sure the hell did right we get to well, Roddenberry? Well, <laughs> yes. the grave. I mean, because there was one more. Do you guys remember Techno Comics? What wasn't? I think Xander was one, and I think that was another alleged Roddenberry creation. Okay. So, well, who knows? I mean, yeah. it's hard to say. You know, when do you came up with the idea for this podcast? Yeah, this is the uncovered the Jack Ryan Kirby Ryan Bay, podcast. Yeah. I mean, it's like okay, they came up with the idea for it, but then how much of it is really? Is there a reason he left it behind? Yeah, you know? well, this I mean, is crap. It, it, <laughs> you know, yeah, I mean, maybe it had been turned down four times yeah, and he threw yeah. it in the closet. Uh, I, I just always wonder: is it is it Marvel capitalizing on the Kirby name? Is it 
Lisa Kirby trying to make I, some money? Is I hope it, in some way it's Marvel's way of making some sort of amends with the Kirby family and making good on the fact that that, I can live ja- with that. that Jack is, yeah, is I mean, one I mean, of if the... If it is Lisa Kirby right, trying to make yeah. some money, good. Right. You know, her yeah, family deserves her. ink. <laughs> right. yeah. then maybe they'll stamp Stan Lee's name on it. Huge letters. Well, that's what I was yeah. going to say. It's like when Stan, Presented by Stan Lee. When Stan Lee <laughs> passes, how many of these are we going to find? You know, right. secret, you know... Well, didn't he, he already gave us Stripperella. He's at the bottom of his bucket there. But I'm just skeptical. Every time I see that, I have to wonder... Okay, is it really a Kirby creation, or is this going to be some crap that somebody? Yeah, well, I don't think that you're like. going to see this as being like a top ten book. So if it if it you know continues to educate younger readers about the Kirby name and is good for the Kirby family, hey, let's face it, if thing. Kirby wasn't dead, you yeah. probably wouldn't be selling that many books nowadays Pro- anyway. Probably, yeah. No, probably in this not. day and age, yeah, you know. Yeah. I mean, it just well, it's yeah. a different. How is reader? Uh, it's a different. Sergeant Rock selling? Does anybody know? I mean, I loved it. The, so, I, 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 I don't know. I don't know how it's selling. Uh, what's that? Crap. Yeah. 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 yeah I mean, but it's a beautiful. But it's got gorgeous, Cooper's name on gorgeous, it. You think it's the same thing? He, yeah. Does anybody care anymore? I do. Joe, I care. Yeah. Yeah. Joe. Joe still. That was still one of my top well. stacks. Yeah. All right, guys. That's gonna finish us up for Wiredware Comic News. Uh, it's uh, time to go over top of the stack. Top. Top of the top stack. Of the stack, stack, stack. That's right. It's time for top of the stack. Our chance to let you, the listener, know what our panel has been reading for the last week. Um, who would like to go first with their top of the stack? I will. <laughs> go, uh, Tomcaters. My top of the stack this week is Paul Jenkins' sidekick from Image Studios. Um, it's written by Paul Jenkins, illustrated by Chris Morano, lettered by Joe Martin, and colored by Len O'Grady. For you the know, first sa- week sa- I've sa- ever sa- listed every single person involved in the comic book and the company that publishes it instead of... You know how angry Sal is with you about I, this? Because I, I, I do a terrible claimed job it. of doing that. He comes out to me today at lunch and he goes, I'm thinking about doing Sidekick for my top of the stack. And I was like, Tom already called it. I already it. called it. Um, <laughs> it's drawn in a very cartoonish style, yet the content is... <coughs> Adult, mature, you know, not often do you see a sidekick sleeping with his mentor's, you know, hot wife. Spoilers! <laughs> That's not a huge part of the story. Yeah. But anyway, what it does what it does really well is, um, I think in modern comics we get hung up a lot on realism. We want realistic art and we want realistic stories, but in reality, not, none of those ever you know, really happen. You can't get a realistic comic story. You can't get realistic art for people flying around. So what this does a really good job is, is you know, just screw it, make it comic book, you know, make it cartoony art, but make the story actually what I think realistic is. It's a mix of like humor and uh, everyday problems. It's about a sidekick to a Superman type character, and his life sucks. He's a pizza delivery guy, and he gets like a hundred dollar a week stipend for being a sidekick, and he has to start trying to branch out and become sidekicks for other, you know, <laughs> like, they're all pastiches of Superman and Batman, and there's one Luke Cage-ish type character, and uh, it was funny. I laughed out loud a couple times, and uh, I enjoy it. It's and funny. I, once again, yeah, once again, I pick a funny book. Do, does he get book. enough credit for crossing as many genres as he does? Probably not. Because Civil War uh, Frontline came out this week, and it was, yeah. it was great. And it's a very different book than that. Oh, yeah. it's. I would imagine it's extremely different. He learned a lot editing Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yes, he did. For all those years. I, I, 
tell you what, speaking of uh, speaking of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, uh, um, here's a little bit of a segue. This is uh, from the same creative team that is doing Tales, uh, Tales of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number 24, but that is not the book I'm reviewing. It is Umbra, which is by Murphy and Mike Hawthorne. It is uh, by Image Comics. And it does have a uh, a very hearty cover price of five ninety nine. What? Jeez. Yeah. Oh, I always review Suicide. the expensive books. For black and it's black and white. It is black and white, but it is uh, I believe forty pages, forty oh. or forty four pages. Uh, it fifty two pages. Fifty two oh, pages. That's, that's okay. Yeah. Um, it's actually been a couple weeks since I read this. And it's but, soothing. Um, <laughs> there are so many three dollar books out there. That are disposable. We've talked about that before. You buy a three dollar book, you read it, and you 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 toss it in the box. You never pull it out again. I don't mind Burn spending it. slab them. I don't I don't mind slab. spending a couple extra bucks to to get a book that is first of all this meaty because there's a lot of story in here and one that's done as well. Uh, anyone that is familiar with Whiteout, which uh, who wrote that? That's I I forget. Greg Rucka. Uh Anyone who is familiar Good with God. Whiteout would enjoy this. It is uh, a lot of the calling for a Greg Rucka moratorium. <laughs> <laughs> it is a lot of the same themes in that it is in. Uh, it's not in the Antarctic. It's in Iceland, but it is with a uh, a forensic, a young forensics officer who is investigating a, a homicide scene that just gets weirder and weirder and weirder through the entire book. Uh, there's weird. A, yeah, How weird does it get? I, I can't tell you because it would spoil it. And Jeez. each each twist is weirder than <laughs> than the one before it. It is it I can't tell is you it peculiar? Beyond in any peculiar. Way? It's that's a hard word for me to say. Secular? Uh <laughs> Stop it. Oh. Uh, there, there's, uh, there's a brief uh, lesbian scene in there, which Ooh, you know yeah. was, was kind of nice. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, lesbian crotch are part of the giant lesbian. The artworks are hot nowadays. They have a band on top. Oh, 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 oh. Uh, the artwork by Mike Hawthorne <laughs> is, uh, is more than <laughs> adequate for this. Uh, a lot of his characters have a very chiseled look to them. Uh, actually, uh, Mike Hawthorne did a Queen and Country, I believe, a declassified story. So I was familiar. It all with his ties art. together. Yeah, all, all roads, and, and all there, roads lead to. Is, Queen is there any relation to House of Umbra other than the the title Umbra? I have no idea. I'm I'm. Any relation to the shorts Umbros? No. <laughs> All right, this is going downhill fast. My top of the stack is Umbra by Image Comics by Murphy and Mike Hawthorne. Uh, it is uh, uh, issue one of a three-issue limited series. If you like, uh, if you like a good uh, a good forensics uh, crime story uh, with a lot of twists and turns, that's heavy enough one, to beat your dog with. Yeah, you could roll this up and cause someone some pain. So uh, Umbra was very good. I enjoyed it mightily. Nice. Uh, uh, with the Mr. ferocity, <laughs> Mr. <laughs> frightens the gods. And it was weird. Uh, okay, my top of the stack is the leading man by B. Claymore and Jeremy Hahn. If you know them from uh, uh, their previous work, which was called Battle Him, which was a book I know Chris liked a lot and I really enjoyed. Um, this one is out by Oni Press. It's a uh-huh. mini series, five issues. This is number one. It's three dollars and fifty cents. Uh, colored by Dave Bryant, lettered by Tom Bolton. Uh, basically, it's a story about a actor 
who plays sort of a James Bond, Tom Cruise, Mission Impossible kind of character in the day, but at night he's actually a James Bond, Mission Impossible kind of secret agent uh, in in real life. And I really liked it, it, sort of this, to me, sometimes a, a good sign of a good writer is being able to write bad scenes on purpose and and in the beginning of the book it's you know you start reading it and it's like wow this is sort of like a terrible action movie but it's supposed to be because it's a scene about filming a terrible action movie and I, you don't know that well now i spoiled it damn oh well um edit, edit, yeah edit. Uh, but go back in time and forget. I, i've been really impressed by b claymore's stuff in the past and he just seems to be getting better and better and i, I just enjoy his his dialogue and his ability to tell small stories um, that are just really interesting and not necessarily these giant, you know, huge events or anything like that. But he he takes sort of quirky stories and and makes them something I really, really find enjoyable. I I think one of the um, criminally underrated writers in comics right now. Uh, Yeah. Let's get some charges going. (laughs) Well, you know, what's interesting about... uh, about uh, Clay Moore is that he lives in Kansas City, which, as I'm starting to to look around and notice, Kansas City is a freaking hotbed for uh, comic ribs. creators oh. and good ribs and bad baseball teams. Yes, and really bad baseball teams. But there are a lot of guys that live in Kansas City right now. It's uh, Andy Parks, Tony Moore, uh, Clay Moore, Matt Fraction. It's uh, Did you Tony Moore twice. Tony, Tony Moore. Tony Moore. 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 Tony, Tony Moore. Moore. Um, so anyway, uh, I was a little surprised this was coming out from Oni because I know his past stuff came out um, from Image. So mm-hmm. I'm not sure why that was, why he switched over to Oni. But um, Jeremy Hahn's stuff is great. I love his artwork. I love his pencil stuff. It's it's real. Um, I don't want to say it's simple because it's not. It's just very clean. And um, the only issue I have with it ever is some of his facial expressions are a bit repetitive. Um, but his action stuff is great, and I think he does just fantastic backgrounds, and and just the overall look of it is is fantastic. And uh, this looks like another great, you know, uh, combining of, of writer artist and and something uh, I'm going to look forward to. Great premise. Yeah, you know, it's um, an actor pretending to be an agent, secret agent, who's really a secret agent, and we'll see how you know where it goes. Uh, it's only five issues, so. Don't wait for the trade. Hopefully, it won't be like uh, Hawaiian Dick and take like eight years to come out. That was good stuff, though. Yeah, well, it was great stuff. I'm just I'm glad it's finally finally wrapping up. Yeah. So. Well, we'll see. It's, you know, quality. We'll wait for it. Um, Mr. Mr. Oliveri is, is going to have a a, a sit in reviewer for this uh, episode. <laughs> so, a stunt. Uh, a stunt. Top of the. Are stand. you calling? Let's grab someone. Yeah. Does anybody have anything they want to review? Dude, you, okay. you, hey. you, young man in the front. This young. is staged. Young, what? <laughs> Tom. Planned out weeks Shh. Out Introduce yourself, young man. Stunt man. Ah, uh, how you might remember me from the forums. My name is Madass. Madass. <laughs> with negative twenty-two karma. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna negative twenty-three. But it's with love. <laughs> it's. That's a uh, record, dude. I don't know. Whatever. Anyway, a <laughs> uh, couple of things. One thing I already talked about on the forum uh, last week is a book put out by Dark Horse, a six-issue miniseries, is issue three. Just recently came out this week, uh, a book called Apocalypse Nerd <laughs> by uh, Pete Bag or Baggy, and I can never remember how to say his name right. So Bagge. 
<laughs> no, that's the one incorrect way. Basically, the, the it's Peter. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. So the, pre- <laughs> the premise behind this book, and, and, and if any of you remember, uh, during the '90s, he's one of my comic heroes because he did a, a book called Hate that was really funny and uh, serious and a lot of different things. And he has a really kind of crazy cartoony art style. Um, and his latest story is uh, basically a, a really, like, citified nerd kind of guy like Tom <laughs> hooks up with somebody. What? Citified. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I'm uh, wearing, a, like, a suit that's slightly too small for me. <laughs> the, oh, thank you. Some shoes from the <laughs> 1950s. Shoes, yeah. um, it's basically, you know, an average modern man, computer technician, kind of nerdy guy, uh, goes out on a weekend retreat with his hunting kind of you know nascar loving buddy from Redneck. high school and while they're out at this cabin in the Why woods sold everybody we can with this one <laughs> yeah well I, the character i didn't insult everybody. The, while they're out in the woods in this cabin um <coughs> north korea launches a nuclear missile that blows up seattle koreans <laughs> and so basically Did the gypsies right. do anything basically what happens in the premise of the story it's sort of like Shaun of the dead uh force bread with the day after a little bit, because it's kind of funny, but then you have these two guys that are trying to deal with, okay, this is the apocalypse, like Seattle just got nuked, and so what's going on, what do we do, there's no food, you know, they have to try to find their way into the city, should they go back there, you know, what what happens, uh, the cover of issue number three has uh, somebody clubbing another guy to death for his bottle of 7-Up, so you can... <laughs> Refreshing. If that tells you anything. Well, I've done that, haven't you? Yeah. <laughs> Not for 7-Up, for Sprite, maybe, but... Sierra Mist. <laughs> Mm. But anyway, so that's is that, that an ongoing? It's not. I, it's six. It's supposedly six issues. And oh, okay. It's it started last year. So so far, it's like one every two or three months. So it's kind of a slow pace book. But if you can find it right now, uh, three issues out already. Um, the third issue, actually, if you just want to jump in, there's like a the first page is just uh, what happened in the last two issues because it's been so long that nobody remembers. Marvel, so, a Marvel recap? Sort of like that. Marvel you, recap. You, you can get into that. and So that's my comic pick uh, for the top of the stack. All just, right, end of the episode. Hey, all right. Hey. So now... No, <laughs> get out of my chair. One, <laughs> no, I just, I, one other thing that I wanted to pimp, uh, because it just started up this week, is um, any of you guys who are fans of The Tick, whether the comic book, the cartoon, the live action show, uh, if you haven't already, you need to check out The Venture Brothers. Season 1 DVD, which just came out this last month, and Season 2 episodes which just began airing last sunday night uh this is the best comic book uh superhero parody show uh on television so it's an animated show yeah it is animated um there's some great they've they've taken pot shots at everybody i mean it started out as kind of a johnny quest uh parody but they've got elements they've got like a doctor strange character they've got a doctor doom character they have uh an episode last season with a, basically a total hilarious riff on the Fantastic Four. Um, and what's that on? Where you got to check it out. It's, it's Adult Swim, which is Cartoon Network. Okay. Cable. I've heard it of it, Sunday but nights I never, uh, at, I never I don't it. know, like at around 10 o'clock or something, check it out. Um, but, yeah, you got to – if you haven't – gotten to see the show you got to check it out that's why i haven't seen it because i'm usually finishing up editing this damn podcast (laughs) all right chris you think editing eight eight hours of recording tight two hours all right 
I Matt, have a, I have, Matt will be back with us on Thursday, so or in a couple minutes, which depending <laughs> on if you're sitting here or downloading. It's the illusion, the magic of radio. Don't we are deconstructing football. podcasting. All right, guys, that, that's our that's our top of the stack. Uh, let's move on to some final announcements. Uh, first of all, Mr. Oliveri, uh, one more time, where you can buy Werewolves Call of the Wild and um, your convention stops. You can order it through previews at any comic shop, or you can go to moonstonebooks.com and order it directly through there. And I will be at Wizard World Chicago for sure, and I'm going to try to make a few more stops. They'll be on, on my website if I can. It's mikeoliveri.com. And and please do order it. Be, you know, It's a good book. Mike's a really good guy. And strong. put down put down one it was strong, <laughs> handsome. Uh, put down one of those, you know, variant Civil War tie-in covers that you're gonna pick up and, and go get something out of the the realm of and, and if you want to pick up one from Mike, you know, personally, email me. I'll give you his home address and telephone Absolutely. number. And he'll come over to your house he'll personally. He'll give it to you personally. I'll sign you my assigned he'll, copy. He'll wash your dishes. Um Whatever it takes to sell books, right, Mike? So, That's right. So, cotwcomic.com. Gee, I yeah. wonder why that web address is you know, burned into my brain from announcing this for the last... Where have yeah, I we've seen been announcing <laughs> where, have I, where have I read that before? All right, guys, we are uh, now proud members of the Comics Podcast Network. The CPN is a collection of the best comic book podcasts on the net. You can learn more about the network and find more great podcasts at comicspodcast.com. Do it! Uh, I'd like to thank all of the great <laughs> Forum post this week. Uh, All the you good guys. forum posts. Oh. Great, strong word. <laughs> we we appreciate uh, every one of our forum members. Uh, uh, one of the great benefits of signing up for the forum is that you will get an email when new episodes are announced, which is great. Sal. Uh, and speaking of the forum, I know we've had. A couple of people emailed me saying they were having some problems trying to register, and then once they were registered, they couldn't post. And um, I, I've been dealing with uh, uh, Weak Rocker for the last week, and I know he's had some problems, but we've been trying to figure it out. But if you have had problems, send me an email at info or news at around comics so we can try and figure out if we have some sort of issue or if Weak Rocker is just insane, which could be 50 50 at this but point. But he left us know. a great iTunes review, so I'm going to give him the benefit <laughs> of the doubt. It's my favorite. I've been trying to help him, and I, he, he seems to think it's his computer. I don't know. I'm not sure, but we'll we'll try and do the uh, best we can. A uh, quick note uh, Chris Marshall at Collected Comics Library, your trade paperback is in the mail because your Tigers kicked my Cardinals ass uh-huh. last week. So you are uh, getting the. Uh, Elvira trade <laughs> paper. Uh, it, it's it's like on the way. Um, haikus. Guys, do we have any haikus? I have them all in front of me. I'm going to uh, pick a winner this weekend. Okay, this week. So, uh, don't send any more haikus. No, no s- more. Send more. Send no more haikus. You will get um, uh, the winner on next Monday's episode. You got a couple you want to read real quick, Tom? Uh, yeah, a couple sure. Of good ones. Why not? Um, or do you just want to make some up? Mike, can you make up a haiku you for us real quick off the top of your head you are know, about these, werewolves? Are, are these all new ones? Or are these? No, some of them here. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. I, I just realized um, I saw one that was old. I didn't want to read it again. You, these are new. Okay, here. Here we go. Des- oh, wait. This one's actually timely. Um, desecrating flags can be difficult to do as Cap kicks your ass. Nice. Now they're trying to make it illegal. <laughs> Winner! To have, they're trying to make it illegal to have an opinion. In this country, as I get political towards the end of the episode after a few beers. Uh, five years have passed. 
Wait, sorry, I screwed that up. Five years has passed. I don't know if that's correct grammar. <laughs> Lois had our love child into her my secret, signed Man of Steel. That's her Matthew guy, and that contains a spoiler for Superman. Great, Returns. I don't, I'm not going to see it. Damn it! <laughs> I haven't seen it yet. Hey. Thanks, Matt. <laughs> Guess what? I'm judging the winner, so Matt's out. Uh, John Matt's out. John Hook uh, has yeah. has sent us a ton. We love of John. I'm trying to find Literally, we, we love John. We love him. He's a very Slow handsome man. Slow walking zombies. Well, I like him. I saw that. Indie yeah. Press Comics. Valiant cross-gen speakeasy. Support lest they die. Um, Vote or oh, die. here's one for Chris. Uh, Wrath-like she must be. Lies, stealth, guile, murder, her tools. Ruckus, minder, one. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, there you go. Okay. Uh, what, one, one more haiku? Or are we all we all done? Uh, we're gonna pick one winner this week. Yeah, I'll pick one fun. this weekend. Um, I'm gonna be very fair. <laughs> uh, yeah. So Sal, a word from our sponsor. Uh, sure. Geekarmor.com uh, sells T-shirts with a geek in mind, featuring a great selection of comic book T-shirts as well as video game, sci-fi, TV, and movie shirts. You are sure to find something you like. Do they have a new original design? They do, Tom. It's a red shirt with a phaser hole on the front that reads, "I went on an away mission, and all I got was this lousy T-shirt." And now the good folks at Geek Armor I wish are I could offering get a discount. Well, luckily <laughs> for you and the rest of our listeners, they're offering a ten percent discount uh, to all Around Comics. How listeners. do I get it? Just use the coupon code <laughs> Around Comics uh, when placing your order and receive an additional ten percent off. That's GeekArmor.com. Check them out today. All right, guys. Um, anything else? Mike, up. thank you so much for being here. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Appreciate Tom, uh, we're gonna shove you off, and you're gonna yeah. go to Detroit right after we're yep, done here. So that's right. Please, uh, please drive safe. I have a freestyle uh, rap battle. <laughs> seven hours after. Can we get a preview? Quick. Maybe you know your no, your no. lyrics. No, you don't want to spoil. It doesn't, it. It Every, doesn't everyone out like there that, have yeah. a uh, have a great uh, and very safe July Fourth. Um, Everyone, have a fantastic week. Uh, we'll be back again next Monday with another full-length episode. We'll uh, be on Thursday, too. And on Thursday. We're going to have one on Thursday. So. I think we're sober. You guys yeah, are we're sober, sober enough, enough to, to record, record this week. In <laughs> the meantime, we'll be everywhere in and around, around comics. If you would like to suggest a topic, send us your comments, or are interested in becoming a panel member, email us at info at aroundcomics.com, or visit the Contact Us section of our website. For that, and the latest in comics news and opinions, go to www.aroundcomics.com. Music for this show provided by the Podshow Podsafe Music Network, music.podshow.com. Thank you for listening today, and remember to join us next week. With a panel will change, but our mission stays the same. Bringing you the best in discussion, news, and reviews in and around comics. <laughs>